Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of So Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mindshifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor. Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, March the 15th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1. That puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Hello, Michael. Okay, I guess I'm here. Oh. Okay. And welcome, everyone. We're honored. We're delighted that you're here to share with us one more time this inquiry and the understanding of the pathway of opening the door to direct communication with the eternal forces of the universe that will guide us in everything that needs to be known and everything that needs to be healed and how to do that. So we're just delighted and honored that you're here. And is Dr. Tim with us, Jeannie? Oh, okay. I'm here. Hey there, young man. You know, I, I I don't know what happened that you know with with oh gee we had at least eighty five seconds Tim yesterday with the request of comments on the previous hour I, I I don't know what happened but I thought we'd open the show today with uh, with uh, a request for your thoughts and comments on uh, on our whole conversation yesterday. All right, well, um, <clears throat> you know, at the risk of beating a dead horse, what I thought I would say is that perhaps some people haven't heard me talk about this before, but for a couple decades before I encountered you, Dr. Michael Rice, I would tell people when they came into my office that I'm not an expert in what they have to do to solve the problems in their life because I really don't even know them. I have some levels of expertise. 
And I try to approach dealing with them from a professional perspective, and I try and make it very clear that I'm also a person and I have personal biases. And so I try to highlight for them any personal biases I have and let them know, if you don't agree with this, that's okay. There are probably other therapists out there that that can work with you. And then I go into my whole first session spiel, and, and if people are coming with a relationship issue, one of the biases that I tell them about and have told them about for, for decades now is this is just my personal bias, but my personal bias is if you've been dating somebody for a year, you should probably try to work it out. If you've been married for a month or a year or 10 years, you should probably try about a thousand times harder to work it out. If you have children, whether you're married or not, you should probably try about 10,000 times harder to work it out. And the only time I flip over into the category of agreeing with them, yeah, you should split up, is if you have an abusive pattern of interaction going on and you've tried everything you can think of, everything your friends and family can think of, and everything the professionals that you've consulted can think of, and you can't break the abusive pattern. In that case, my opinion is you're better off living in a different situation, and if you have children, they're better off living in a one-parent home that's loving, nurturing, and supportive than in a two-parent home where there's this constant conflict and violence and escalation. So that's the bias I was telling people about for decades before reaching into this ancient Aramaic forgiveness and all the Michael Rice tools. And I still have that as a preference and a personal bias that I talk to people about. So that's my foundation. And upon that foundation, Jeannie asked the question the other day, when is it okay to leave? And, of course, we've been through this, and my, my quick response was, it's always okay, and you'll always have consequences. And if you leave because you think it's the other person's fault and they're the one who's causing your anger or your upset, then you're putting yourself in a prison and probably isolating yourself from the person who could help you through that the most. And it may be the best thing to do because of that person's willingness or non-willingness to use the tools and whatever the individual circumstances are that may lead to this, quote, abusive pattern, unquote. So from that perspective, as we've talked about this the past couple times this has come up, my perspective, I think, is right in line with yours, Michael, and yet it's not as extreme as yours. And mine's just derived from 41 years of doing therapy and seeing more of the pattern of people staying in a bad situation or an abusive situation for the wrong reasons than people leaving at the drop of a hat. And that's just what's come across my life and my caseload. And it might also have a lot to do with the lens through which I look at these things. So that was my input. And... The other, thing, the other thing I was going to say yesterday, I almost interrupted you to say, Mar- Michael, I want you to go back and review the marketing course 
that you were supposed to have taken a couple of years ago because this is not very good marketing. <laughs> when you were getting into all the pain and suffering that was going to have to be gone through. and Come on, sign up for these tools, and you'll get through the deepest, most grungy, bloody, horrible stuff. And I was all going to interrupt and say, okay, okay, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> marketing, marketing, please. We want people to think this is a good thing to use these tools. So anyway, that, that, would, that was my, my quick summary of last week's, or last week, of yesterday's show. Cool. Well, I love the fact that uh, when you give people that input, you always put that uh, little caveat in that there are going to be consequences and, you know, helping people to understand what those consequences can be for themselves, <clears throat> for their children is, uh, I think, really powerful, powerful piece of information to give people. And, of course, and I think we are perfectly in alignment uh, it's it, it always comes down to healing the leaving issue as well, and uh, in or out of relationship, and you know it really isn't the external circumstance that makes a difference. It's what what do I come from? What am I doing inside of here? You know, in the inside job, and to keep cleaning up my mind and keep moving forward to the next level until I can hit a level of awareness and possibility that is perhaps even considered to be beyond human, which you know really isn't beyond human. It really is actually just human. It's that we we have made being human something about frailty as opposed to about clarity and love and power. And so I'm certainly with you. Well, the... Um the situation came up last night again in this book study club for um, the eye of the storm. And somebody asked me, well, what do you do if the person's already dead and, you, and you've offended them and you need to reconcile or make compensation? I said, the good news about it is, and that's what I cover in the saying goodbye to good people without saying goodbye to good memories, is it's all an inside job. So it doesn't matter if somebody's moved away or they're not willing to engage me or listen to it or if I write them a letter they shred it or if they've been dead for 10 years, it doesn't matter. I can still reach inside myself and dismantle the parts of anger, fear, sadness, thoughts, and traumatic energies that are causing my upset. I can still extend love to that person whether they're in the next room or two continents away. And that's well, what I love, I love your, about your uh, school. Yeah. I love your whole concept of saying goodbye to people and uh, still being able to maintain those memories. And and for people who are maybe new joining us, perhaps you could give them your website and the location of a link that they can listen to you do. I believe it's a two-hour presentation on that topic. Well, it's C and H Counseling. Dot com, And when you go to that page, on the top of the page, there's a word that says media. Click on the media link. And then if you scroll all the way to the bottom, you can download the PDF file, which is the handout for the talk. And then you go right above my picture in the video and click on the audio. And the first four audios there are related to this 
this topic. Part of it is uh, the talk I gave on January 17th at the Unity in Woodstock. The next link is the February 1st, a segment from this show of February 1st, where Jeannie asked a question about that process. And then the next two links are the two hours, two separate hour videos of the workshop I did at the Unity Church on the 17th of January. And I also just included those links that you just gave in today's, um, in the, uh, if you go to the archives, I've been typing in what the shows are about, so I've included it in today's as well. Excellent. Thank you. And, of course, Jeannie, you remember the February 1st show, that little segment where nobody else would talk, so we had to process our own stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's always fun. That's what fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you've, you've got that edited out? Awesome. I'll I'll pick that up and put it on the site, too. Yeah, I just it's just the, the segment where we were asking and answering that one question about being sad or missing somebody if they leave and then recognizing that that's just an inside job and that, too, can be dismantled with the worksheet process. And so... Awesome. awesome. Well, nobody, well, our nobody has a hand up. Oh. Okay. Well, I was just going to hand out our call-in number for anybody who happens to be on a station we can't see in our control panel, or if uh, if uh, you're in the uh, chat room and want to talk to us, our call-in number, if you call in on the phone, is 646-200-4169. And if you call that number, you'll be listening to the show. If you have a question, through the magic of modern technology, if you push one on your keypad, it will raise a little hand. Jean will see that hand go up. You know, if all the numbers, when somebody's hand goes up, she gets to see it, it rises to the top of the pile. And uh, she'll introduce you by your area code, and we'll be having a conversation. And our whole reason for doing this show over the period of the last, well, we're into our sixth year, is to keep having conversations with people about challenges they have in living as true human beings and living out of the truth of who we are as love and how challenging that can be in a world gone mad, a world gone insane, and the awesome benefits of going through what prompts our behavior, and sometimes prompts our behavior into insanity. If you've ever done anything out of hostility or fear, then you know what it is to live in an insane mind, a mind without the presence of love, and how much of a challenge that can be if you're the one living that in relationship, or you're in relationship with someone who's living out of a mind that is not connected to love. And to recognize that we always have the option in any and every circumstance to return to that mind of love, to think with that mind of love, to be guided by that mind of love, rather than guided by information and energy stored in the past within our body-mind unit, which is literally, quite literally, a carbon-based storage device that holds 
thoughts, feelings, and behaviors from all the generations that went before us. And uh, when Tim's tongue-in-cheek comment was made about marketing, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's imperative that we let people know that this healing process is not Dr. Feelgood. Most people would rather just go and drug themselves. And I'm amazed, you know, as I interact in the, uh, in the culture at how many people's lives literally revolve around going to get their next prescription. I mean, it just amazes me. We we have television where we are now. We don't have that in the Ozarks, but we've watched a little bit of television. And I was I was shocked when I heard this uh, insurance ad for seniors saying, "If you get this add-on to your insurance policy, we can save you five thousand dollars a year in drug costs." And it's like, hmm, that's mind-boggling that anybody would even think of being in a position where they'd need to save $5,000 a year in drug costs. I mean, if we took all the drugs for me over my whole lifetime, you couldn't save $5,000. Because... There hasn't been that much spent, and and it just amazes me how many people that's how their lives run, and that they have not been introduced to healing, and that there's, you know, there there are parallel systems that run in our world. One of them is focused in disease care, which certainly, I mean, there are some awesome practitioners out there who have developed some absolutely amazing technology with such heart and such concern and such caring for people, it is beyond comprehension. Just some amazing people. Because certainly in a crisis, crisis medicine can be the most magical, miraculous, amazing thing we've ever seen. But when you realize that that's, truly disease care you know if you've got a disease and you know the symptoms need to be managed because they're life-threatening then that can really be helpful but what if you were to give be given at the same time a parallel system that taught you why you have the symptoms you know go show me some research institution some university or some fancy set of initials of somebody who proclaims to be about healing and show me their research into the cause of, I don't care what the disease is, I would like to see the research being done. And what you'll find, and this is something that doesn't occur to very many people, is there's no research done in that arena in the healthcare, so-called healthcare system. No research, zero, none, zilch. The whole system is focused on what kind of a chemical substance can we come up with to deal with the symptoms associated with this dis-ease. And and you break down that word disease to dis-ease. It is an energy that is a lack of ease, an energy that comes into the human system that doesn't belong in the system that creates our dis-eases. 
if you go back to the ancient Aramaic, a system about physiology, you find they know, knew exactly what caused diseases. Now, that's been so turned around when it came through the Greek filter and through this mindset that's about researching something to handle symptoms and actually maintain the symptoms so that whoever is engaged in that symptom treatment is stuck and hooked in that uh, venue forever. But if you go back to the ancient Aramaic, you know, there's a there's a term that's not understood well at all today in our world, and it's made fun of, and it's made fun of because it's a key to freedom. It's a key to getting free of the insanity of the world that, you know, by and large is set up to take money out of your pocket. Well, I don't care whether it's a political system or the medical system or, you know, whatever it is. It's got a purpose, and its purpose is how much money can we pump? So understanding a true system of healing is not necessarily the purview of the pharmaceutical industry. It just isn't part of the game. But if you go back into the ancient Aramaic, they understood that the body was not a physical device, but rather was an energy system. They understood the latest in nuclear physics. And they they told us exactly what creates the result of disease, death, and suffering. They told us exactly. And they were right on track. And before you switch stations or, you know, turn us off as fast as you can after I use this word, please hang around long enough to hear the meaning of the word because it's not what you think it is. The cause of all suffering and disease and death is sin. Now, don't buy the Greek definition, and you're not one. We're not here to promote that insane idea that you're one of those. But the word sin in Aramaic is simply an archery term. If I was standing out there in the archery field, and I pulled up my arrow, and you know I fired it at the target, and I missed the bullseye, the scorekeeper would simply yell, Sin, you're off the mark. You've missed the target. This human energy system is designed for one thing and one thing only, I would offer. And you can't even talk about it in today's world because the language has been so decimated by the insanity of the world. But... If you hold a newborn child, you know what the human energy system, the energy device is designed to embody. It is this pure presence of love. Now, we've degraded and come a long way down, baby, a long way down. How much rage, guilt, grief, fear, terror, drama, trauma, murder has happened in our generations that... When diseases show up in our bodies, we think it's got something to do with our body, and we think it's something physical. How much has gone on? And, and when Tim made that reference to, you know, marketing, Michael, <laughs> gee, you're going to tell people they're going to go through all the drama and trauma of their generations? Yeah. If if you are going to actually create health in every cell in your structure, ultimately, you're going to face every frequency that was ever put into your genes that is unlike love. And if you think about where your bloodline is threaded through and, and you know, just 
30 generations, there are over 1.7 billion people in your bloodline. All of that is stored. I mean, you have a computer that makes the the largest Cray computer in the world look like child's play in your body. And it stores all those generations. It is not going to be fun to heal, to look at those things, to process through those things. The terror, the trauma, the hate, the fear, the rage, the guilt, the grief, the pain, the suffering. We're not promising you a rose garden. But what we are promising you is that if you'll pick up the tools and use them, you will offload everything from your structure over time that will create any future form of disease and suffering in your body, your mind, your emotions, your finances, your relationships, and your future generations. You will offload those things. And when you do, you and your generations will be free of them. Yeah, it's going to take courage. Yes, there is deep work to be done. We are here to offer support in particular for learning the tool of forgiveness. And that too has been bastardized by the world. It's been turned around backward. We've been told that forgiveness about how you did something terrible that caused all this pain inside of me, but it's okay. I'll let you off the hook. I'll forgive you. We're here to say, please never forgive anybody ever again. Stop. Never do that. Never forgive yourself because you can't. You can't do either. If you choose to pardon someone, to let them off the hook, great, nice thing to do. Choose to pardon yourself for something you've done, let yourself off the hook, great, nice thing to do. But that is not forgiveness. And if you've been taught it is, you've been lied to. Forgiveness is the tool with which you drop inside your own mind, your own genes, your own emotions. You develop the skill of accessing, decoding, and removing everything that would ever cause any sort of distortion, disease, or suffering in your structure or the structure of your future generations. And you offload those things. You remove those things. That's the act of forgiving. So if you have, quote-unquote, sin, that is, put an energy item that's off the mark, or your mother, or your father, or your grandmother, or your grandfathers, or your great-grandmothers and great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers, if any of them put energies in that are off the mark, they're stored in your structure, and if you're going to be free of the diseases and the suffering caused by those things then you're going to face them and you're going to move them out and it's not going to be Dr. Feelgood. And, you know, there's no apology needed for that. That's perfectly as it should be. You know, if you've got a house that's filled with all kinds of dirt and garbage and you just sweep it all under the rug, you know, the house might look pretty good. But, you know, all that dirt under the rug is going to attract attract roaches and mice and rats and sooner or later you're going to be overrun. And you can get out a spray poison, you know, when the cockroaches come along, and you can spray the cockroaches. And then you can spray the mice, and then you can spray for the rats. And now you'll start suffering from the poisons that surround and fill your house. But those creatures are going to keep coming. As long as the food supply for them is available, 
whether it's on top of the rug or swept under the rug. Being willing to go in and a good house cleaning makes a hell of a mess. You, the dust flies and the dirt and what has to be moved out can be atrocious. But once you've cleaned it out, there's no reason for a cockroach to visit because there's nothing there for them to eat. If you feed them, they will come. If there is no food supply in your body, they will not come. And, of course, that's the bacteria, the viruses, the bugs, the buzzards that everybody's trying to terrify us with that we need to get pills to, and shots to be inoculated against those things. No, the pills and the shots are part of the toxicity that destroys the system. If you feed them, they will come. If there is decay in your structure, if there is sin, if there is energy that's off the mark in your structure, then there are going to be diseases that are going to show up because there's a food supply and the decay is happening as a result of that dis-ease energy. Forgive those things. You get to look them right in the eye. Not fun. And I don't know how to go around (laughs) that marketing idea, Tim, of just letting them know the truth of what it is. But I'll tell you, on the other side... There is so much more aliveness and joy and creativity and sweetness. It's beyond comprehension. While getting there isn't Dr. Feelgood. So that's what we're here to support Michael, you in. We have we're here to give you those callers. tools. Well, let's say hello. The first one is area code 636. You're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Diane, and I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Well, welcome, Diane, from Portland, Oregon. How are you, young lady? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm calling on our landlord and our landline. Michael, I can barely hear. Oh, is this better, Tim? The sound on this well, landline is not always great. It got it got a little bit better then, but you'll have to speak up. Okay. Uh, is it getting better still? Yes. There we got you. Good. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to talk a little loud. Thank you, Doctor Tim. Thanks. So yeah, I had a major fiasco with my cell phone yesterday, so I am without it for a while, but surviving that. And um, I Ouch. I just had you know, pardon. Are you catching my regulatory I, speech? No, I was saying ouch <laughs> at the cell phone being gone. That are, that's a, oh, a big ouch. challenge. I thought you said yes, ouch. ouch. Sorry. <laughs> yes, oh, no, ouch. Oh, no, no, just, just a big ouch. <laughs> yeah, I've learned to be pretty dependent on it. It's it's amazing. And uh, four years ago, I didn't own one. Life has changed. So I hear that. Yeah, since, since the wonderful intensive in Florida... That, as you know, I was at learning laws of living and enjoying so much. I have yes. uh, wanted to continue to eat raw food because that was awesome and amazing. And I haven't haven't completely done that. I've stayed with vegetarian food, which has felt good. But I did a worksheet this morning because I every day I'm putting on my list of goals, ma- uh, doing some meal planning. So that, you know, when I get hungry and it's time to eat, I have some idea of what I'm going to eat and I have some things prepared and ready. And I'm not in a panic about, okay, I'm just hungry. What am I going to grab? But every day I seem to not 
do very well at getting that done. I might get out a few recipe books and look a little bit, but I haven't gotten very far. Other things seem to pop up or I put it off. And um, not, you know, as you always say, Paul talking about uh, why is it that what I want to do I don't do, I seem to have some issues with that in a few areas of my life. And it's it's been a struggle, and I haven't been able to get to the bottom of it, and sometimes I feel hopeless. So today my worksheet, I started out saying, I, Diane, who am love, feel perplexed. And my first thought was, oh, come on, you know, am I really going to get anywhere with a worksheet like that? This isn't anything like hostility or fear or really strong emotion. It's just like, duh, you know, what what is this all about? Um, and my trigger, more often than not lately, that I put in my subject line is myself. And sometimes that's... Um, Sometimes that's a challenging way to do a worksheet. Uh, it can go in many directions, and I'm not sure I'm taking it in the most helpful direction or things don't seem to all fall into place or make sense, but I do it anyway. So my trigger is myself. So I said, I have not been meeting my goal to plan meals. And did a little breathing. And the thoughts that cause my feeling is, I don't understand why this is so challenging, and I, not, I want to know why. Um, I often do not have punishment thoughts. I, yeah, thinking of ways to punish other people or myself don't readily come to mind, but in this case, I could say, yes, I want to punish myself by criticizing myself because that's often what happens. I get very critical when I don't meet the goals that I have set up for myself, and, and it goes on, you know, what's wrong with me, and it's never going to get better, and it's hopeless, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Diane... Yeah. Diane, before I lose the thought, yeah. make a note to go back and do the worksheet that the punishment is to just go ahead and eat cooked food or to go ahead and eat meat or whatever, something opposite oh. of what you're saying you want to do and see if that takes you in a different direction. So, yeah, punishment to eat things that I don't want to, are you saying? Right. Yeah, so that yep, would pun that would it. be a punishment too. Yeah, you're right, Jeannie. Good one. Yeah, and that was kind of a question. I thought, well, you know, is the punishment necessarily a thought that we have how we want to punish ourselves, or is it sometimes, you know, just a result? happens, Even though I'm not consciously thinking, well, I'm going to punish myself in that way. Yeah, good catch. Thank you. I'm writing that down. Excellent catch. Yeah. And that was another thought, that I would eat poorly, yeah. That was like my punishment to the to my non-being self. Um, so the constructive result, the exact goal that I held, was to plan my meals so that I'll eat better and feel less stressed about getting food together when it's time to eat. And, you know, and part of me says, why in the world should this be such a big deal? It shouldn't be that hard. But it felt hard for a long time. Um so I Question. held love conscious. Go ahead. Question. Have you yeah. been canceling the goal? Have you been canceling the goal to manage your food plan? At bedtime I do. And then every day it it's up again. You know, every day I'm putting it back on the list of things that I want to accomplish. And this is right. this has been going on for at least about four days now. 
And then, you know, I've had a couple days where so many other things came up, it was impossible, so I kind of let myself off the hook for that. (laughs) But other days it was like, well, I really should have been able to fit this in somehow. Yeah. So, and while I was trying to... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, what you're sharing sounds akin to procrastination. Yes. Maybe not procrastination exactly, but akin to procrastination. And procrastination usually comes as a result of the mind saying, I'm not doing this because I have too many things on my plate already, too many goals. And that, yeah, that often does happen in my life, but not always. I've tried to keep my goals pretty manageable lately um, because of that very problem that uh, that I often feel overwhelmed by too many. And like there's a saying that I really like, you can only chase one rabbit at a time. And there are a lot of days where I feel like I'm trying to chase eight rabbits and I'm getting nowhere. Um, so yeah, that's another good one. I'm writing that down. So too. eight rabbits. Eight yeah. rabbits is too many goal too many goals on the plate. Yeah. And that creates procrastination. Yeah. So yeah. another tool, because it sounds like you're approaching this pretty consciously, another tool that you might want to do in this regard is to use a mind shifter and see what that uncovers for you. And a good mind shifter would be, it's safe and healing and easy for me Uh-huh. To create to create an awesome supportive food plan that I easily follow. Yes. And I yeah, I'd create an area a, a space of a couple of hours and work on that mind shifter and see what comes up. See what you know. There's some stressor going on under the surface and you know I don't know what it might be it might be you know the three year old watching big sister or mom or dad trying to manage food and breaking down over it and holding you know uh, the the three year old trying to fix it for mom who was in pain at not being able to feed the family properly. I'm just throwing out this as you know possibility, mm-hmm. and the three year old watching that because you even used the word helpless or hopeless. Mm-hmm. I forget which one it was, and and that's what usually develops in the small child when they're trying to fix something on an adult level that they can't comprehend as they come up with hopelessness and helplessness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I don't know and exactly I, what yeah. might be behind it, but that might help you to access it and see, because you know, it sounds like you're consciously fully in alignment with doing this well. And so there's yeah. some unconscious dynamic that as you surface it, no longer will it affect you from the unconscious and you'll just go ahead and create your food plan and follow it. Right. Well, and I did uncover some things that I'm very grateful for. Um, 
And I, I thought, well, I have a feeling that this is big enough that there may be more. And so what you're giving me is very helpful for thinking of you know, more ways that I can continue to work with this until I have that energy completely cleared because that's what I need, you know, not only in this area but many other areas where I don't take care of myself in the ways that I really want to and where that's been a struggle. And I'm, I'm finding Let the same thing question. up for clients. Sure. Right. I know that, or I understand that Doug is still in uh, St. Louis. If Doug were there, would it yes. be different? Yes, because when he's here, okay. I make food for both of us. Yeah. Ah. It, I don't necessarily so plan it as well, but I'm usually thinking ahead throughout the day, like, okay, what are we going to have for lunch? What are we going to have for dinner? I definitely do better when I'm cooking for more than just myself. So then you might be looking at some issues of being deserving or right. worthy. Right. Like, I don't deserve this. I don't I don't deserve to spend time taking care of myself or I'm not worthy of that. I don't matter. I don't count. Might be thoughts along those lines that if you uncover and forgive, remove them, would just open the space for you to really seriously see how you deserve to be taken care of and to take care of yourself well. Yeah, and that's such an interesting thing because I think for years I was aware that on an intellectual level I know that I am deserving and I am a good person, but I felt like it wasn't on the complete level of my being. You know, in my heart and in my body, I wasn't behaving as if that was true. Even though on an intellectual level I am connected with that, I, I know that that's true. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't going down deeper to where I could really use that, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's probably some dynamic that goes back somewhere into early childhood, or maybe into g- genetics of mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. withholding withholding from yourself and not being deserving. Yeah. Doctor yeah. Tim, do you have any thoughts to uh, to share with? Well, the Diane? the punish the, the punishment thought that yeah. came up when I was listening to this was I'm going to give up and just eat the not healthy stuff. So maybe another set of punishment thoughts you could explore is giving up or a mind shifter around giving up. Mhm. Mhm. Or giving in. Sometimes people find a whole different resonance to that word if it's instead of giving up, it's giving in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll look at that. I'll work with that. And I would like to tell you the rest of the worksheet because I did get somewhere with it. And it, what you know, what I want to speak to is, uh, as you say, it's not a pretty fun process. But on the other side of it, right? I, you know, I'd right. like to, I'd like to. Um, yeah, let you know how good it can be on the other side. And, of course, you know, there is more work to do, but I'm doing it from a, a different level, I believe. Yeah. And, yeah, that stuff, I, by the way, Dr. Tim, I am one of those people I can uh, relate in in terms of uh, one of those people who stayed in a relationship way longer than was probably good for me, and I did it for all kinds of good reasons, I think, Um loyalty and to a best friend and many things but um but yeah and and I believe that what I'm working on in this um today 
And many days is, you know, what happens when we basically leave ourselves, you know, because I think our relationship with ourselves is is foundational for every other relationship. And and we have to be able to not leave ourselves, to stick with ourselves um, in multiple ways. Yeah, I don't know a way to say that eloquently, but that's what I'm thinking. So... I think he came across so very clearly. Say that again? Oh, good. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Great. So I I was kind of, you know, I felt like, well, I think I've canceled that goal to plan meals as best I can. I'm ready to move on and ask Rukka for help and feel into my heart, feel that love, and ask for that gentle removal of any denied, dissociated, projected parts of my carbon-based memory. And what first came up was, well, planning meals often feels overwhelming. I get out several recipe books, and I look through them, and I write some things down, but there's so much there that it never gels into one plan for just a week because there's there's so many things that look good and exciting, but then I don't get it figured out. And I'm breathing and, you know, feeling that presence and that love, and all of a sudden what began to come to mind was that my very first experience of trying to plan meals was as um, when I was 12 years old, I had a couple of friends who decided to turn against me and turn several other friends against me in school. Um, They decided I wasn't cool anymore, and they told me that I was fat and ugly. And based on that, um, and not having their friendship anymore and thinking, well, I'm not going to get upset with them or... um, or try to get them to become my friends, I'm going to ignore them and take the high road and just, you know, kind of isolate, which is what I did for a while afterwards. But I I started dieting at the age of 12, so my first meal planning was, you know, getting books. Back then it was like the all-protein diet and, and planning what I was going to eat, and it was very limited. It was, you know, okay, Mom, I'm only going to have that hamburger for dinner and nothing else. Uh, for breakfast I'm having one egg. For lunch, I'm having some cottage cheese or some tuna fish. And, you know, that was the kind of dieting that teenagers did back then. So that's what I did. So suddenly I realized that that was my early experience of meal planning, and it was all about deprivation, and the tears just started to flow in um, grief. Breathing. Breathing. Yeah. And I was I did pretty well. I kept breathing. <laughs> I cried a little and I breathed a bunch. <laughs> so clearly there's still some energy there. We're here to hold the space for you a hundred percent. Thank you. <laughs> and we and we appreciate you having having you as our friend. Oh yeah, thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think part of what makes it so big is how, you know, that's a long time ago and I didn't recognize, I mean, I've known that that was a big happening in my life, but I didn't quite realize all the, you know, all the ways in which it's affected me and that here this thing goes back to that or that's that's really how it feels. And, yeah, so the tears were just this big grief over that, you know, not only for myself, but for the multitudes of women in this country who, as very young women, go through something very similar, um, the deprivation that comes with trying to become what it is that the culture says we need to be. 
And ex- just incredible gratitude for Rupa showing this to me, for having these tools and and feeling the energy shift and feeling a lot of energy in my body, knowing that, okay, I can become more empowered around this now. I really can have a change here. That's incredible. <sighs> Go for it. Feel it. Let yourself just drop right to the depth of those feelings. What would the 12-year-old have said to those apparent friends in explaining to them the impact that being told that had on her? This is really hurtful, and you're not seeing me for who I really am. Do you remember when you stopped seeing you as who you really were? Oh, man. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. Probably way before that. Sometimes I can touch into that in worksheets, but probably at about three or four. You know, I've I've had this the awareness of feeling like I wasn't seen or wasn't heard for who I really am, and the desire to be that. And yeah, now I'm feeling that incredible energy in my body and the buzzing in my ears that I get when this happens. And it that's like being refreshed by a cool wind. It's amazing. The insanity of our culture is rampant. Exactly. It's all about women especially, but really all people, being objectified in, you know, whatever our external is, that's what we have to shape up. Objectified and being blamed for someone else's state of mind. Yes. Yeah. For their insecurity. Yeah. I was watching a uh, a video yesterday that I found to be very touching. And it was a young Hispanic girl that was about 10. And she was talking about how, being from Mexico, that at school, friends centered her out and told her how Donald Trump was going to win the election and build a wall and force her her and her family to go back to Mexico and starve. And this little kid is just, what do you do with that when you're a little kid, 10 years of age? And they're actually adults, like people who threaten to be leaders of the free world that can have that kind of a conversation and leave another human being in that kind of isolation and pain. It's just so bizarre. 
Yeah, and I've come through this work to appreciate how sensitive we are as kids, how much we take things in and believe them and and look at the world through those lenses instead of the lens that says we are beings of love and that is our whole purpose in life is to be love. Yeah, I don't think that any adult can really comprehend the depth of sensitivity that this newborn energy that comes in and begins to grow, the sensitivity that it experiences when someone first raises their hand to the child, when someone first raises their voice, when someone delivers the first message of how inadequate or bad or wrong the child is. I don't think any adult can really comprehend the depth of sensitivity that that young child has and the unconscious wounds that are carried by virtually everybody in our culture. I mean... They talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. That's what virtually everyone is suffering from. That's where human life has gone. Yeah. yeah. So I praise you, you and acknowledge you for the willingness to open that space and go there because that opens a door for everybody. That's my hope, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate all the support of this work. And I want to ask for your help now because this, you know, I'm feeling this delicious energy running through my body that, you know, that's this aliveness coming back, but I feel as has often happened around issues and I think it's kind of what I experienced a lot of when I had fibromyalgia years ago. My neck gets extremely tight and there's a lot of um stuck energy right there. Your volume has really faded again, Diane. Oh, sorry, Dr. Tim. I'll try again here. I'm saying I feel this really good, delicious energy throughout my body, you know, bringing back this aliveness to me that feels very good in moving this, but it seems like it's getting stuck in my neck, which is where I've experienced that before. Years ago, I had fibromyalgia, and my neck was just so incredibly tight, and I'm feeling that right now. And, I'm yeah, I'm just wondering if you can give me any help with that. I don't quite know what to do. Well, the neck, the neck is seen as the connection between heaven and earth, and when we cut that connection off, that's where we cut it off is the neck, the tightness, the disconnect that happens there that restricts the energy flow. chest right now. Yeah, lots of energy in my chest. Feeling pretty expanded, pretty alive. Yeah. My heart. 
This feels good. And the neck's letting loose a little bit, I think. Lots of lots of grief about that disconnection. But um yeah, yeah starting to loosen up a little bit. <sighs> nice breath. And I still have to say, you know, it's very extremely meaningful for me that Rooka is a feminine elemental force because I just, um, yeah, I realized uh, one day a few weeks ago when I was working through a worksheet about, um, you know, my inability to have children years ago and recognizing that, you know, my spirituality at that time uh, shifted because of Al-Anon. But I realized that I also kind of, the God that I prayed to was this male God who was withholding from me. Um, You know, I prayed for my husband to get better. I prayed to have children and, um, you know, believing that what we ask for we will receive. And I, I, things weren't shifting in that regard. So I finally just asked for, um, for my husband to be able to be more in his own true nature. But I realized recently, I thought, you know, I was seeing this God as this masculine person who was withholding something from me. And if I had been thinking of God in a different way, even a feminine sort of God or a more integrated, I thought my mother God would never withhold from me. She would never do that. So it was it was just interesting that I had this weird sort of patriarchal view of God that, you know, that of course is not what God is all about. Yeah, your father God would never withhold from you either. No, of course not. But yeah, I recognize that. Oh, that was that was you know unconsciously I was seeing that because of course I, I wasn't remember, praying in just the right way or something. Something I was doing wasn't right. Several years ago, I was working with a woman who had worked with a friend of hers who was having issues around abundance and trying to get her friend to open to abundance and that night she had a dream and in the dream God was walking her through a huge warehouse like as far as the eye could see and there were shelves with all of these beautifully wrapped gifts as far as the eye could see and she said what she said to this God was walking her through this was like what what why are you showing me this and the reply was these are all the gifts that my children have asked for I would not receive them when I gave them yeah that's quite an image So if you listen to Yeshua, he says, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you everything. And the trick is to open that energy blockage, that connection between heaven and earth that lets it in. And Jeannie's got a thought for you. We're down to... We're down to just one minute, and Jeannie's got a thought for you. So, Jeannie, it's all yours, sweetie. Okay. Actually, Camille is in the chat room, and first she said, 
um, that it was wonderful to hear your voice and that you were stating what she was also dealing with and that wow. um, uh, it was it was awesome, you know, about that and doing wake-up sheets around it. And she said to please tell you that she's holding the space of love for your process and um, have truly appreciated your sharing today. And then one of the things that I told her, because she said she was having the same kind of challenge, and I'm going to hurry because it's 20 seconds, I'll text you a an app that you can put on your phone that you can actually plan your meals, and it will create your shopping list for you, and it will, you know, change the recipes and all of that stuff. So I'll send you that by text. So awesome. that might help you as well. Awesome. And we are out of time, so everyone, come back tomorrow. Blessings. Bye. Thank you all for holding the space. Absolutely. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.